Welcome to the Well Community Church. Hey, and welcome to the Well Community Church. Thanks for making us part of your weekend. Um, it's great to be able to gather online together and meet in this way. Uh, join us afterwards too at 545 for a live Zoom after party. The link is in the description. And uh, that's just going to be a time where we can connect with one another, we can worship together, and we can celebrate communion together. So be sure to stick around for our live Zoom after party following this evening service. But as we're all aware, it's been a upsetting and difficult week. And in the in light of recent events and what's gone on uh, south of the border, but around the globe, um, what we've seen in the news and in the world, I've decided to put the message that I had prepared in our Unstoppable series going through the Book of Acts on hold. And I wanted to take tonight to address some of the injustices that we've witnessed. Our Christian and Missionary Alliance uh, president, David Hearn, he recently wrote this, as Christians, we understand that the evils of our world signal the deep problem of sin. We've seen many facets of sin in the news recently, racism, injustice, prejudice, violence, and grasping for power. This week, some of us have relived or experienced racial injustice again personally, and many of us began to grapple with our own ignorance. And many of us simply don't know what to do next. So for this reason, we have a couple of different voices that we're going to hear from this evening um, in order to help us learn, in order to help us lean into what's happening by praying, by learning, and by discussing um, just some of the current realities and how to navigate our way forward. So I'm thankful that you've joined us this evening and that we are in this together. As we open in prayer this evening, our sponsor church Gateway and its staff and its elders have created the following prayer as a heartfelt expression of support for those experiencing the terrible effects of racism and injustice around our world, which also directs us to the one who alone is able to help and heal and bring peace. Psalm 4, 6 reminds us, many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine on us. So I invite you to join me in praying the following prayer together, and I'm going to have the words on the screen for you to follow along. Oh God, as Christ followers, we are grieving today with our neighbors who are the victims of racism and injustice, with our divided communities and our troubled world. We cry out to you from the depths of our grief, and we are desperate for you to hear us and to show us the way to lasting change. We confess that we fail to love you, Lord God, when we fail to love others as equals, created by you and precious in your sight. We acknowledge that we would have no hope if you were to hold us to account for our lack of regard and avoidance of our neighbors who do not look like us or see things just as we do. But with you, there is forgiveness in Christ Jesus. And so we may hope for a better future, not just for us, but for all. Father, we agree with you that racism is sin. Forgive us for our racist thoughts, words, and actions. We denounce and repudiate the sin of racism in ourselves and others. 
Lord Jesus, we acknowledge our need for your forgiveness today and for strength to commit ourselves to restoring dignity and hope for all your creation, whatever the cost to our position and comforts. Holy Spirit, we ask for your transforming strength to make ourselves vulnerable, to risk our privileges so that you might use us in these desperate times to accomplish your perfect will around this earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So at this time, Chris is going to lead us in worship with a song called Another in the Fire, which is just a great reminder of Jesus' presence with us no matter what it is we're facing or what it is we're going through. So I invite you to sing along. I invite you to just simply reflect on the words or perhaps use this time to give your tithes and offering online at thewellbenbrook.com slash give or fill out a connection card and let us know how we can pray with you. Following this song, we're going to hear from Lucas Cooper, who's the lead pastor of Bayview Glen in Thornhill, Ontario, followed by Vijay Krishnan, the lead pastor of The Well in Vaughan, Ontario, and then ending with a conversation that I had the privilege to ha of having with Kudzi Chisosa from our very own community. So let's continue to worship together. There's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between where I used to be And this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Standing next to me, there was another in the waters, holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden. Another died for me, there is another in the fire. All my dad left for dead beneath the waters I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore And should I fall in the space between What remains of me and this reckoning Either way I will bow to the things of this world And I know I will never be Power lives in me There is another 
There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it all. So come what may in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. And I know I will never be I know I will never be alone There'll be another in the fire Standing next to me There'll be another in the waters Holding back the seas And should I ever need reminding How good you've been to me I count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I know that's where you'll be I'll get the joy from everybody Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll get the joy from everybody Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll get the joy from everybody Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll get the joy from everybody Cause I know that's where you'll be Hi, my name is Lucas Cooper, and I serve as the lead pastor at Bayview Glen Church in Thornhill, Ontario. I have the privilege today, the responsibility in a lot of ways, the joy of addressing what's going on in our world. I think maybe the invitation uh, came because the, what's going on in our world kind of hits home for me in a couple of ways. One is I'm American. I've lived in Canada now for almost seven years, but the first 34 years of my life, I spent in the southern part of the United States. Second, both my children are black. I, we adopted uh, those two kids when they were infants, and I love them more than I love my own life. And so what's happening in our world hits me in a unique way. I'm angry. I'm heartbroken, I'm confused, I'm overwhelmed, and I've been searching over the last couple of days, searching God, searching Him in prayer, searching His heart for a way that He might encourage me to respond to what's happening. And I just offer them these uh, responses to you today as well. Maybe they'll help you. First thing I would tell you is be angry. Did you just hear a pastor tell you to be angry? You did. You know why? Because in Ephesians 4, verse 26, the Apostle Paul tells us, be angry, 
but in your anger, do not sin. That's what Paul says. He says, be angry. So when we see injustice in the world, anger is a right emotion. When we see brokenness and harm come to people in the world because of the color of their skin, anger is a right emotion. Do you think that when Jesus chased out the money changers in the temple, he was saying, excuse me, would you please leave? No, he was anger, angry, righteous anger, rightfully so because of the injustice and oppression in his world. So that's number one. Don't hide it. Don't oppress it. Don't ignore it. Be angry. Number two, in your anger, don't sin. Ooh, okay, now, so we got to channel our anger, don't we? We can't allow our anger to be our driver. See, emotions are horrible drivers. They're great passengers. They're great at helping you navigate and telling you where you ought to go and what you ought to do, but don't give them control. Don't give your anger control right now and don't let it drive you to sin. Let it drive you to righteousness as you work through your righteous anger at the injustice in our world. Number three, pray. God promises us, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, he will heal our land. Does our land not need healing right now? Let's be a people who pray first and act second. Let's be a people who know that prayer doesn't precede actions. Prayer is the action itself. Prayer moves the hand of God to heal our land and we need it so desperately right now. So let's pray. Number four, act decisively against the racism that you see in your world. You know, for a time, I, I thought it was enough to just kind of tell myself, well, I I'm not racist. I'm not racist. Or I tell others, I I'm not racist. You know what? I, I was wrong. That's not enough. It's not enough just to say, that's not me. We have to be people who proactively call it out and defend the defenseless and come alongside those who have been ostracized and sidelined because of the color of their skin. I don't know what that looks like in your world specifically. Quite frankly, I'm learning about it in my own world. I've made the decision in the last couple of days that I will be a person and the church I pastor will be a church that acts decisively against the racism that we observe in our world. Finally, number five, who's at your table? And I mean that quite literally. Who's at your dinner table, your coffee table, your Zoom room, your lunch table? Who are you sitting down with and listening to do they look the same as you or do they look different from you? Last night I was able to get in a Zoom room with guys in my life group and two of those men are black men and they were both born in Jamaica. I was able to hear their perspective. I was able to listen and understand. I'll never walk a mile in their shoes, but I gained a little bit more understanding last night because of their grace to me. I'm so happy that they're at my table and I'm at theirs. Let's continue to pray together. Let's continue to work together to combat the injustice we see in our world. Thanks for letting me share with you today. Greetings, friends, followers of Jesus, brothers and sisters in the family of God around our country and in our church family. As I have been watching the news and reading, um, listening, having conversations, uh, probably as have many of you regarding the events that have taken place in the United States in recent days and around the reaction around the world and in our own country and the conversations I'm having even at my own dinner table. I am wrestling with inside of me uh, the, the spectrum of feelings that maybe you can relate to as well. On the one hand, anger, sadness, 
if I'm honest, despair, hopelessness, questions, um, sometimes even just sort of apathy and, and you know, wanting to throw up my hands and saying, I don't know who can do anything about this. How is this ever going to change? And the myriad of offshoots of issues that, that, that come up in something like this. There's also this sort of temptation of saying, oh, you know, is this something we have to speak about or we ought to be speaking about, or is it better not to speak about it since we haven't been speaking about it? And maybe as a church community or as an individual, you're wrestling with those things. And social media sometimes is not kind to us, whatever we choose to do. But I think I have taken great comfort, if I can use that word, in the fact that I know for sure what it is that God thinks and believes and acts about this. And while there may be different people around the church world and spectrum, even the political sphere that might hold Bibles in their hand or say something uh, about what God thinks about this, I'll be honest, I think the implicit um, or sort of um, underlying belief for many people, certainly many of my friends who either were a part of the church before or not anymore or have never been, would think, well, at the very least, God probably tacitly condones some of this stuff or thinks that it's a punishment of some kind or something like that. And yet my mind went to Isaiah 58. And actually throughout the book of Isaiah, really from the first chapter all the way to the end, if you're familiar with it at all, or if you don't, it is God calling his people to give an account for the kinds of ways that they have directly or indirectly perpetuated acts and systems of injustice. While we as churches or people as communities may be late to the party, late to the scene, late to speak out or do anything about this, God is not. Centuries ago, and from the beginning, God has called his people to live in such a way that reflects his heart. In Isaiah 58 in particular, and throughout the book, he says, look, your worship of me, singing, fasting, gathering, festivals, Sabbaths, don't mean anything to me unless they are a part of a heart and a life that deals with the things that are close to me with relationships with people, with how people are treating each other and with how you are treating each other. It is a call and always has been a call to say our worship of the living God must include and at the forefront is and goes together with living a life of love, fighting for those who cannot fight for themselves, being a voice for those who cannot speak, and being a part of uh, fighting against injustice. And so I know for sure that these are the things that while we may be tempted to politicize them or intellectually engage with them or distance from them because they say, well, it's not in our country, or it's not the same, or it's not in my world, or it's not in my church, or it's not in my neighborhood. God himself is continuing to invite us and always has to be a people that carry his heart like this. And even more than the book of Isaiah, I know this is true because when we see the life of Jesus, Jesus actually borrowed sections of Isaiah's um, prophecy to say, this is about me, I have come to minister and bring good news to the poor, to the oppressed, to the imprisoned, to those who are victims of injustice. One of the ways actually to see even the murder of Jesus is that he was murdered because of his um, attack on the systems and the boundaries that created and perpetuated injustice, whether because of ethnicity or gender or uh, socioeconomic status or the balances of power. That we know in God's grand plan, 
as he gave up his own life for us, it was to bring us back to him. But as Peter says in his sermon in Acts 2 um, about the crucifixion of Jesus, says this was the work of evil people. And it was an evil that said, we do not like what you are doing as you are tearing down these walls that separate us. You are disrupting this world. And in fact, this, the uh, le religious leaders said about the disciples in, in Acts chapter 4, these are people who are turning the world upside down. And so this is our history. This is our story as people of God, as Jesus followers, to move in, to move towards, to wade into the mess, the things that are complex, that seem overwhelming and despairing, and that might even paralyze us, saying we don't even know where to start. And yet, we look at the way Jesus did this. It wasn't actually through mass movements, <laughs> Uh, of leveraging mass communication vehicles or trying to address the political systems and trying to take the seat of political power or, uh, or take control of the military or whatever he was doing. It was actually through conversations and actions one at a time. That Jesus, one by one, through what he taught and the people he ate with and interacted with and loved and healed, was systematically addressing the systems of injustice and the balances of power and the socioeconomic inequalities and the divides of race and religion and gender as he began to talk one at a time, one person at a time, and even began to form a community that was reflective of a movement like this. It's no surprise that even within his inner circle of disciples, he chose both a zealot someone who wanted to kill for the reasons of the political establishment and a tax collector who was representative of all that was wrong with the current establishment. And Jesus brought them together and said, you are now brothers. And so I take that as an encouragement and an exhortation to my own heart to say, I am not going to politicize this. I am not going to distance myself from this. I am not going to allow myself to be paralyzed by this because God himself is in, in the middle of this, has always been and invites us as his people to be in the middle of this. And yet he invites us to do it in a way that is inherently simple in the sense of not complex, one person, one conversation at a time with whoever is in front of us. You know, in Isaiah 58, at the end of that chapter, when God is exhorting his people to um, care about the injustices, to minister to those who are being oppressed, to not take part either tacitly or directly in oppression, but to do something to alleviate, to spend ourselves on behalf of those who are suffering. He says, you, you'll be given a name, an identity, if you are people who are willing to do this, of those that repair walls and restore of dwellings. And it made me think of actually the story of Nehemiah when they, as a community, were trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It says something so beautiful and profound. It says that each person began to repair the wall, the section of the wall, the city's wall, that was broken down in front of their own house. And I think if I can use that just as a simple invitation to say to us, when we are invited to repair things that are broken, to be people who are building the new city of God within the city of, of humans, within human cities, building the new city of God, the city within the city, the culture within the culture, that we are invited to do that by simply engaging in building, the, the repairing the walls, building the new city in front of our own house, which is to say, 
What is in your hands? Is it an individual? Is it a conversation? Is it the young people that sit at your dinner table every evening? Is it the ministry that you're a part of? Is it the workplace that you have, either the people you work with, the kind of work you do? It is, the kind of, is it the kind of studies you're choosing to do? Maybe what decisions you're making about the direction of your life, career, or who you are going to be spending time with or how you are going to be spending time with those people. Begin with what is in front of your own house. Begin the way Jesus actually turned the world upside down. One conversation, one person at a time, as he began to form a new kind of community that reflected to the world his heart and began to change it like yeast, small it may seem, your acts of justice, of compassion, of mercy. It may seem like a seed that falls to the ground and dies. It may seem like a little bit of yeast that once it's absorbed in the dough, you can't even see it anymore. And yet Jesus says, this is how my kingdom works. So take heart, don't lose courage, don't give up, don't diminish or dismiss small things. Allow your heart to be broken by the things that break the heart of God. Allow yourself to be spent by thinking and praying and acting about this. And then watch and see how God begins to work and bring his shalom, his peace, his reconciliation through your life and mine. God bless as you spend yourself on this. What would, what would you say would be the message you want your church family here in Binbrook to know as to how to navigate the conversation in the days ahead? What I would say to my church family is continue doing what you're doing. Don't change anything, but be open and be friendly and encourage dialogue starting in your own homes and outside your homes because the greatest disciplines, they are formed inside your own home. Your kids, they are watching you, they are listening to you and encourage dialogue and speak things out. That's how people learn about other people. Mm -hmm. What would you tell someone who's nervous to speak up? Because we don't want to say the wrong thing. What I've always told my white friends is that uh, don't tell people that I'm not a racist because I know a lot of black people. Then you really sound racist. Just be yourself and make mistakes, but be quick to apologize. But if you are sincere, people can tell sincerity. Just be sincere to say, you know what, I've been ignorant and I just want to learn more. I want to model good behavior for my children and stumble your way, make mistakes. Yes, because it won't be perfect. Yeah, you can meet people who are very resistant and you can meet people who are eager to work with you in your faults. That's why we are Christians. We are not perfect, but we learn from our mistakes and with Christ being the center of everything, we will be able to overcome any obstacle. So take the first step and don't say, I am nervous. I've never talked to a black person. Talk to a black person. Start with your neighbor. Start with people in the grocery store. Talk about the weather, the basic stuff, and then move from there. Mm -hmm. And let's not 
show an image of having it together. No, we don't have it together. We are flawed people. And whether black or white, we all have faults. But let's work through our faults together to bring harmony. That's awesome. Yeah. And do you mind sharing um, just a bit of your experience even moving here to Binbrook in our community? Because with being a church that wants to be for Binbrook, um, it, it was just eye-opening to me when, when we had that conversation as well. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. And that's a very good question. When I came to Canada, it's a different ballgame. Yes, uh, as much as we say it, Canada is way better than our friends south of the border. But again, this issue of segregation is a, is a systematic pandemic that's been ingrained in, in the system for decades and decades. Uh, in most cases, it's there. They don't talk about it, but you can feel it. But being in Canada, it's not as bad as south of the border, but we still can do better because you can have a white neighbor or a black neighbor whom you have never talked to and you don't even know even their names or where they came from. So coming to Binbrook, my wife and I were pondering because we had never heard about Binbrook <laughs> and we had never seen it. And one day my wife was looking on the iPad and said, there is a house in Binbrook. And just like what everybody asks us, us to say, where is that? And we called our realtor and she told us that it is a very nice community made up of young families. It's not very far. And again, being white, you don't think about any other thing. But being black, we have an added layer of thinking like, okay, what if we go there and our next door neighbor is a white supremacist who hates black people? What if we buy the house and then the neighbors they don't like us. So all of those things you would consider. But then being Christians, we prayed about it and we always believed that the Lord would protect us and keep us. So when we came to the well, the first impressions, they are the best ones for me. So the first time we came, everybody was so welcoming and genuine and people were not doing it just because it is their jobs. But that sense of community, that sense of belonging is what brought us to the church. And up to today, we are so blessed with having known a lot of Christ-centered, Bible-believing Christians and people who are genuine and people who acknowledge that as much as we have our faults, we are still struggling getting to the cross of Christ. So we are so thankful for the community that we have at the well and we hope that even being there we will add value to the community and help bring more people to Christ. Mm -hmm. And yeah and that when you first shared that with me too it just kind of 
um, opened my eyes to those extra layers that you you thought through even before moving here. Because Amanda and I, we've been married almost 11 years. I think we've moved seven times within those those yeah. years. And that was something we never thought about, whether we'd fit in or belong. It was just like, yeah, do we like the place? And hopefully we'll make friends. Yeah. But um, So I, I think that was just really... Um, sobering and a good reminder for me and, and a wake up as well to, to realize just those added layers that um, I think we can often be ignorant of um, yeah. when we just haven't had the conversations. And how can we continue to just walk alongside you, support you, pray with you? I think the best way that we can continue to get to know each other and understand each other is to just be genuine, be always aware that Jesus Christ made us as one people and there is no Jew and there is no Gentile but we are all children of God and what affects you affects me and just knowing that as a body of Christ where one is hurting we should always be hurting together and where one is rejoicing we should always rejoice together what i just encourage the church to do is just to walk alongside each other and bring about harmony one thing that has attracted us to the world is amanda and you kevin you have shown us that you are genuine people with genuine flaws <laughs> and people who are really eager to understand people and just continue using those gifts that God has given you and he will expand his kingdom. Well, can I close in prayer? Sure. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much just for Kudzi and Edith and um, just the family that we're part of at the well, but also um, your body, the body of Christ. And I just pray that in the days, weeks, months, and even years ahead, as we continue these conversations and we continue this process of reconciliation, um, I pray that you just help us to um, not be afraid and not to let fear hold us back from entering into some of these um, perhaps new conversations. But God, I pray that um, we'll go forward with boldness and um, a passion to bring about justice and to eradicate racism and injustices and violence and um, segregation. God, I pray now just for our world. I pray that you as the Prince of Peace um, brings peace to this earth and just that you continue to um, make yourself known. So God, we fix our eyes upon you and we pray for healing, for global reconciliation, and for your kingdom to be expanded. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And as we wrap up here this evening, thanks again for joining us, for spending time with us, leaning into this discussion and the conversations. Let's keep that going. Let's continue to do life together here at The Well to make Jesus known so that lives and communities will be transformed. Join us for our live Zoom after party right now and may the grace and peace of Jesus be with you. Amen.